When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Monday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby joined by Mary Kay Cabot. This, of course, is a Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. These questions coming from our Football Insider subscribers, uh, our tech subscribers. If you want to get involved in that, go to cleveland.com slash browns. Click the blue banner at the top of the page uh, to join in with the, uh, the fun on Football Insider. Mary Kay, let's get right to it. The news, of course, of the weekend that had Browns fans sort of gnashing their teeth a little bit on social media, a little bit upset. Uh, the Cowboys made the move to get Brandon Cooks from the Texans. It didn't take much. It was a fifth rounder this year, a sixth rounder next year. So, of course, uh, a lot of Browns fans were curious why the Browns didn't do that. So we'll start with Dave Barnes from Richmond, Virginia. Hey, Mary Kay, how do you feel about the Cowboys trading for Brandon Cooks, only having to give up a fifth and a sixth, and the Texans paying part of his salary seems like this would have been a perfect deal for the Browns. Couldn't they have offered two fifths? Yeah, it really wasn't just about the draft pick compensation. It's also about uh, the money that has to go with it. So uh, they, you know, you have to be able to make a deal uh, from, from both sides. I mean, apparently uh, and maybe they, I'm sure they probably did try. I'm sure they tossed their hat into the ring. Uh, but, you know, they probably, if they could, ideally in a perfect world, land a younger receiver like a Jerry Judy. I think they probably would rather do that and, uh, you know, and continue to work on something like that. But, um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I think that has a lot to do with it. People don't realize it. I mean, even when you talk about, you know, with Amari Cooper, why didn't everybody go out and try to get Amari Cooper for a fifth round pick? Because then it's about the money that you have to work out too. either. You have to work it out with the club or you have to work it out with the agent or the player, whatever the case may be. But it's not just about the draft pick compensation. You have to have uh, two parties willing to tango on the money as well. Uh, still, though, obviously, I can understand Browns fans disappointment in, in not getting a guy like Cooks and, you know, a guy who's played with Deshaun Watson. I think he was probably near the top of the list uh, on most Browns fans targets. Um, mm-hmm. how, how badly as, as you kind of looked into the receiver market and sort of what the Browns were interested in, how high do you think they were on the possibility of cooks? You know, I, I don't know that they were that high on the possibility of cooks once again, because they didn't necessarily want to have a super, another high priced receiver because we know Amari Cooper is a high-priced receiver. So they didn't necessarily want to have two of those guys that were also getting up in years. And Brandon Cooks is 30 years old. Uh, So I think that had something to do with it. I don't know if they were clamoring to get that done, um, in part because of of that issue. They didn't want to get themselves into another situation where they had an Odell Beckham Jr. and a Jarvis Landry uh, you know, making a ton of money and, uh, you know, and, and really just not really wanting to do their cap that way. 
Okay, so we had a bunch of receiver questions. So let, let's let's knock these all out um, <clears throat> and then continue to talk about this position as we go. Uh, hey, Mary Kay, this comes from Stacy in Columbus. Hey, Mary Kay, what are the chances the Browns acquire DeAndre Hopkins? Is it true he wants to play with Watson? And this kind of goes with the discussion we were just having. Can the Browns afford him? Well, you know what? Once again, I think it's a situation where uh, you're talking about a receiver who's going to cost a significant amount of money and one who's kind of getting up there in age. I think in a perfect world, they would rather uh, try to have a younger receiver and not be spending all that money on an older wideout. So I don't know if they're clamoring for DeAndre Hopkins, but you know, once these receivers start to come off the board and fall away, uh, you know, things can change. So anything can happen. I mean, that that's just how this all works. You try to get a, a guy, it doesn't work out, then you move on to the next guy. Um, so I don't know if DeAndre Hopkins is super high on their list. I actually think they would probably rather have Odell Beckham Jr. ahead of DeAndre Hopkins. Well, funny you should mention that name because we had a question about Odell Beckham Jr. So we're knocking all of these out. Uh, hey, Mary Kay, Given that OBJ may be the most talented available wide receiver, what is keeping the Browns from signing him? Is it the nature of his exodus or his price tag? Not the nature of his exodus, because as I have been writing, they're basically over that. Everybody's over that. Uh, you know, the Browns are viewing that as a situation that happened in large part because of Baker Mayfield. And, uh, you know, just the disconnect between Odell and Baker. But, you know, that is no longer, nobody cares about that anymore. Uh, some of the parties that were involved back then are gone. A lot of the people that are still here, like a Miles Garrett, he would welcome Odell Beckham Jr. back. He would embrace him being back here. Uh, so, you know, and, and I think that, you know, some people in the front office felt that he had quit on the team, but... Uh, you know, I just I think those hard feelings have dissipated as well. I think, uh, you know, in the rearview mirror, you can see that, you know, Baker Mayfield had a lot to do with uh, the problems that went on with Odell Beckham Jr. I actually think if they could get the money right, and that's not going to be easy. We saw Odell tweeting over the weekend that uh, whoever said I wanted $20 million a year, but four is not enough. You know, I mean, and, and part of it is in how you structure the contract. I mean, actually four in base salary might be enough for this year to get the job done. Uh, as long as you spread it out over a few years and you've got a signing bonus and you've got uh, some different things going on. So we'll have to see what happens, but I wouldn't rule anything out at this point. Okay. So I have one more wide receiver question and then we'll, we'll spend a little more time on the receiver position, but let's just get all these out there. This comes from Robbie in Canton. Hey, Mary Kay, if you had to guess, will Andrew Barry wait until after the draft to add a veteran to the wide receiver room? You know what? I think ideally they would like to do something sooner than that because you really, I mean, you can't take the chance of waiting that long. I think you have to keep working on, on things now. And, um, you know, there, there are a couple of, of guys that maybe you could toss your hat into the ring for. I mean, in addition to, uh, Jerry Judy, you know, you've also got um, Cortland Sutton, who maybe you could get your hands on in Denver. So, um, you know, so there are a few that are available right now. And, you know, I've written about Elijah Moore. You know, I, I don't know that they're they're motivated to to trade him at this point. 
the Jets, but, uh, but you know, he's somebody else to keep an eye on because the Browns did like him last year. He's a young receiver. Uh, you know, he did have, you know, a few outbursts or behavioral problems. So you have to be a little bit careful of that sort of thing. But he's also somebody that, you know, that in my mind, I just really wouldn't 100% rule out yet as we see what happens in New York. Okay, so let, let's kind of continue talking about this receiver position because it's been a position that <clears throat> obviously you've uh, sort of had the pulse on early. This is a position you've advocated for for a while. Um, and all of these questions, I mean, we of the responses we got, this was the position that, that people wanted to know about um, because the Browns have addressed some of the other needs, but this is where people are really intrigued. Um, and I was thinking about this. So like last year, you had Tyree Kill on the move. You had A.J. Brown on the move. Devonte Adams um, on the move, and last year was such a unique year because you had guys who wanted to get paid and teams that didn't want to pay them, so they got traded, like Tyreek and AJ Brown. Um, that doesn't seem to be the situation right now, where you have a bunch of guys who are looking for extensions that teams don't want to give them. Uh, so I think maybe that's part of the problem here at the wide receiver market. But I also wonder how much do the Browns want to spend on receiver? I mean, are we talking like? I mean, they don't have a ton of cap space as it stands. I think they're about 10 or $11 million as it stands right now. Um, but where would they want to go price-wise for a receiver if they, they went in the free agents market? I think in a perfect world, uh, if, if you were talking about the the trade market, again, if you could land a Jerry Judy, you're talking about getting a bargain, a bargain. He's He's in his fourth year. He'll be heading into the fourth year of his rookie contract as a first rounder. And then you've got that fifth year option at almost $13 million. But this next year is, is dirt cheap for him. Uh, And uh, you know, if you could pull something like that off, it really would be a coup to be able to do that. That's what you would want to do in a perfect world. The same thing with Elijah Moore, you could get him for dirt cheap. Now, Odell Beckham Jr. If you're looking at uh, a veteran, in the free agent market, like an Odell Beckham Jr., you're going to have to spend some money, um, but it depends on how much, because right now it doesn't look like he's getting the money he wants. He's coming off of a second ACL surgery, and he might just have to take a one-year prove-it deal where you know he has a certain amount of money in base salary, and then he can make up a bunch of other money in incentives or something along those lines, games played, whatever the case may be. Uh, so if it starts to get like that, you could really get a bargain in Odell Beckham Jr., uh, you know, for at least for one year and uh, and and not have to break the bank for him. And he really is obviously incredibly talented. And, uh, you know, it's just something I think that, you know, they would like to save. They would like to get a little bit of a bargain on receiver. They've spent some money already in free agency. Uh, they really don't want to continue to break the bank. And they already have, I mean, they have a $20 million receiver in Amari Cooper. Uh, so they already have a guy that's making a lot of money. David Njoku, obviously not a receiver, but he is one of your primary pass catchers. They paid him. Um, so they've got guys who catch the football who are making a lot of money. So as you sort of allocate those resources, they have to consider that too. I mean, is it more likely that, that they make a trade as opposed to a free agent signing? I would say, no, I'm not going to say more likely because I would say if I had to make a list right now, and I might do that today, actually, if I don't do it today, I'll do it tomorrow. Um, You know, I would say there are a couple of guys in the free agent market like Odell still, and then there are a couple of guys in the trade market 
like a Jerry Judy or a Cortland Sutton or an Elijah Moore. I think DJ Chark is still out there. Um, your guy. So, um, so I think there's a few in each sector that you could try to acquire. And, um, and I think you, you know, you just keep working it. You just keep working it until you land somebody that you really like. Okay, there we go. But we got a bunch of wide receiver questions. I think we got to them all. So what we're going to do here is we're going to take a break. And then when we come back, we've got a, a bunch of other topics that our Football Insider subscribers wanted to get into. Left tackle, linebacker, all sorts of questions here on the Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot taking questions from our Football Insider subscribers. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get involved with that. All right, Mary Kay. So before we came on, a couple hours before we hit record, you put up a post about Anthony Walker, who is visiting with the Commanders. Uh, and I used report that the Browns still hope to re-sign him. They did bring back Jordan Kanashik on, on a one-year deal, uh, but he... I mean, he's not really a guy you would start at, at middle linebacker. Walker, of course, is a guy that you would. So we had a question about this. Fred in Naples. Hey, Mary Kay, I'm worried about the Browns possibly not re-signing Anthony Walker. Taki Taki is not going to be ready for the start of the season, and they need a good middle linebacker behind the beefed up defensive line. That's a really good question. You know, they should have uh, Jacob Phillips coming back as well. And if you remember, Jacob Phillips was in a, a heated battle with Anthony Walker for that middle linebacker spot in training camp last year. And Anthony Walker ended up winning the job. And he did a really, really nice job in the first three games of the season, especially the first two games of the season. Graded out really well, looked good, was playing some of his best ball when he went down with that torn quad. Then you've got Jacob Phillips stepping in and he goes out with the torn peck about four weeks later or something like that. So it was just a star-crossed year for those linebackers. Uh, I do think that they would like to have Anthony back, but you know they have to be careful a little bit about the fact that he is coming off of a torn quad. It's hard to come back from an injury like that. They would need some injury protection for themselves, and I think that's one reason why Anthony's going out and sort of setting the market price. If the commanders are willing to pay him a certain amount of money, then maybe it forces the Browns' hand a little bit. So he'll go there. Maybe he'll make a few other free agent visits, and then the Browns can decide how much they want to pay him. So some of this is a fact-finding mission. Some of this is a price-setting mission. And uh, so we should know more about Anthony Walker probably over the next maybe week or so. Um, but that's basically what's going on there. And if it doesn't work out, if they can't re-sign him, then they do have other candidates there at middle linebacker, including um, Jacob Phillips, including Sayoni Takitaki. So they have a couple of different ways that they could go about this. And they also, you know, this is one of those days where I've been kind of been sitting here thinking about the offseason and everybody panics right after the first week if their team hasn't done exactly what they want. There's still a lot of offseason left. And of course, a big piece of it, we're still more than a month away from, and that's the draft. So they, I mean, they could even address that position in the draft if, if they wanted to. I, we've seen them for all the talk of them not necessarily loving to draft linebackers. They've drafted a good amount of linebackers in the second and third round. Yeah, that's that's a good place to get them because then you're not paying them a ton of money. And they obviously, to this point, haven't really wanted to pay linebackers a bunch of money. Um, so they can go ahead and look for one 
in the draft. They can find one probably in a you know the second wave of free agency or the third wave of free agency. They don't consider it to be right now something that they need as a premium position where they have to throw a bunch of money at it. Uh, so I, I think they they feel pretty confident in their ability to get the job done at linebacker uh, with the guys they have coming back off of injury and the guys that they will still add. I can tell you that Lance Reisland, our film guy, loves uh, Jack Campbell from Iowa. That's his uh, that, that's his new draft crush. I know he's texted us about uh, Jack Campbell. Is I mean, would they take a linebacker at forty two? Is that do you think that would be in play? Is that too high for him? Well, no. I mean, look, they took uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. They thought uh, there was a chance that they would have taken him at the end of the first round. And they ended up getting him uh, at what they felt was a bargain in the second round. So absolutely 100% they would take a linebacker. If he's the best available player in the second round, they would not hesitate to take a linebacker there. And one of the other interesting things is we don't really know. Jim Schwartz was really sort of he didn't define what he wants out of a linebacker. How much do you think Jim Schwartz is kind of driving um, what what the Browns do at that position? I think he'll have a pretty big say in it. I, I think that, uh, you know, this regime really tries very hard to give the coaches what they want. And I think it'll be the same with Jim Schwartz, especially because Jim Schwartz has a scouting background. He knows what he's looking at. He know what he, he, he knows what he likes. He's been a coordinator for 14 years uh, he's been a head coach. And when he says something, it holds a lot of weight. So I do think that that he will have definite input in uh, in the draft. Okay, this is a, a question about the defensive tackle position and how we judged it last year it comes from Dan in DC. Hey, Mary Kay, hindsight has shown us that the Browns had one of the worst defensive tackle groups in the league last season. I'm not remembering it being a concern heading into last season. Did we see it coming last year or was it a surprise? If it was a surprise, what did we miss that we should have seen? And when I when I read this one earlier, I was trying to remember. I do feel like maybe like we might not have been sounding alarms, like we weren't quite to that level at the defensive tackle position, but I don't I do think there was a little bit of concern about the defensive tackle position going into last year. There was some concern going in, but if you recall correctly, and and you, I know you do, and I do, um, <laughs> the fact that they were very, very excited about Jordan Elliott to the point where we heard Jordan Elliott talked up so much by everybody, by Chris Kiffin, the defensive line coach, by Andrew Barry, by Miles Garrett. Uh, so I think we were all waiting to see Jordan Elliott's coming out party and what that was going to look like. Then they went out and they signed Taven Bryan. I think everybody thought that that was going to be an upgrade over some of the guys that they had the previous year. And then they drafted Perion Winfrey and Perion came in like a wrecking ball. And we thought for sure that Perion was going to be a key contributor right away. And that didn't happen because he needed some time to develop and mature and grow. So, um, you know, so I think things just didn't work out exactly the way anybody hoped. But I think the Browns also feel like some of that could have been the, you know, the coaching situation. I don't think that they feel great about the way guys were coached up last year. And that's why, obviously, Joe Woods is gone. Chris Kiffin is gone. Jeff Howard is gone. They've got new guys in their place. And I think that, uh, you know, that they they feel that some of these guys will flourish under the new regime and that Jim Schwartz will bring out the best in some of these players. And uh, of course, now they've got 
Delvin Tomlinson. That's the first big investment that they've made in a defensive tackle. And they continue to, to add to the pile. So it will be different this year. So I, I'm actually going to bring this back to the, the wide receiver position because I, and I've seen some people make this parallel. Um, you know, last year it was very much they're going to have their guys that they invested in. Now, you did mention they added Taven Bryan, who's a former first-round pick, who, who didn't make it in Jacksonville. They took a flyer on him. But other than that, they were really relying on Perrion Winfrey, Jordan Elliott, um, who you're, you're not kidding. He did get tired. I mean, he was basically Miles Garrett Jr., in training camp last year, the way people talked about him. Um, and and then, of course, Tommy Togiai. Mm-hmm. I think there's some concern at the receiver position. Like, are the Browns going to end up being too reliant on development of guys like David Bell and Michael Woods and some of these other younger receivers um, going into next year? And could we find ourselves sitting here getting a question from Dan in D.C. this time next year asking – you know, were we this concerned about the receiver group last year, or was this something that caught us all by surprise? Generally, when we have been concerned about a position, our our concerns have been founded, and they usually seem to play out the way that we think they will. And I think it can be that way again with receiver if they don't land a nice, really good, uh, you know, speedy, receiver, whether he turns out to be the guy that gets the second amount of reps behind Amari Cooper, or whether he gets the third amount of reps behind Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones, I still think they need that other speedy receiver. He's got to be a really good one. Uh, You know, it's, I think it needs to be someone who is accomplished and someone who is poised to almost make a pro bowl. Uh, I, I don't think you can scrimp on that. I don't think you can just head into the draft not having it. And I think they need to do everything that they possibly can over the next couple of weeks to try to land a player like that. Yeah, I, I think it's a, an interesting parallel. Um, and I, I do think like you want to create opportunities for a player like David Bell to develop and a player like Michael Woods. I mean, these are players you drafted and players you liked, and we know how this regime feels about their own picks. So you do want to have those opportunities, but you don't want to be overly reliant on those opportunities. Right. I mean, because you need to hit the ground running with Deshaun Watson next year. You don't really have time to work through issues. You don't have time to develop young guys. You don't have time to to hope that Anthony Schwartz is going to be everything you hoped he would be when you drafted him in the third round out of Auburn. You don't have time for that anymore. Uh, What you need to be able to do is go out and start winning right away in the early part of the season. And in order to do that, you want to have at least one more really, really good accomplished receiver. And then you can let David Bell come up the learning curve a little bit more and Michael Woods and see what you have in Anthony Schwartz. But for right now, uh, you know, you've got to have at least one more really, really good guy that can be that weapon for Deshaun Watson. Okay, a question about a guy we haven't talked about a lot recently, uh, Jedrick Wills. This comes from Jim in Zanesville. Hey, Mary Kay, any word on the left tackle situation? Uh, Jim believes it is a weak point of the offense. Um, have they been looking to upgrade there or are they confident in Jed Wills? I'm paraphrasing that question a little. You know what? They're confident in Jed Wills. They they feel that Jed Wills can get the job done. They felt that he was solid last year and and that he took another jump up last year when he was healthy and not dealing with that ankle injury the whole entire season. And I, I do believe 
that they think that he'll get better again next year uh, as long as he continues to work really, really hard. And of course, with the influence and coaching of Bill Callahan, that will help him. Um, but yeah, so no, I don't think that they are looking around at left tackle right now. And I do think that they will pick up the fifth year option, which has to be done by May 1st. And the number is in the $14 million range, but I don't think that that's going to be a problem for them. I think they'll pick it up and move forward. That that was the other thing I was going to ask, ask about um, the fifth year option. Um, you mentioned we got a little time before they have to make that final decision, but um, you know, with two is getting officially picked up today that it, I think that was the first from that class to get picked up. Is there any chance at all that they might consider playing the game of, you know, let's let him play out the fourth year. And if it goes really well, they can franchise tag him. Or is it like, no, just, just get the fifth year option picked up and have him for the next two years and and just kind of know the situation. You know, I just think they're going to pick it up. I suppose there's a world in which they decide not to do that. Uh, But I, I don't see that happening. I think they're going to pick it up. Uh, I don't think $14 million for your number 10 overall pick and the first first round pick in this new regime under Andrew Barry. I don't think that's excessive for for a good left tackle. And by the time you get to 2024, that number won't even look as high as it does now. So um, so I think I think they'll probably go ahead and do it. You know, I, I suppose I could be surprised by that, by them not doing it. But as of right now, I'm going to say that they will do it. Okay, I've got two more, including one that came in just under the buzzer from a name I don't recognize. So, of course, we're going to get to somebody new here. Tony in Moore Park, California. Uh, I believe this is the first time I've seen a question from him. It goes back to, man, everybody wants to talk about wide receivers. Uh, Hey, Mary Kay, what is the status of Jakeem Grant? Can the Browns count on him to contribute as a wide receiver with speed? Well, that's an interesting question because, you know, they did resign him and, you know, they are looking forward to, you know, letting him come into camp and compete. Um, But, you know, probably more so from a special team standpoint. But if he's, you know, if he's healthy, if he came back strong from an Achilles, not an easy thing to come back from and not an easy thing to come back from in your first year. That could be another one of those injuries where your second year out from it, you're that much better. But um you know, I do think that, you know, if he's healthy, he will have a chance to show what he can do. But I don't think he's going to be the guy that they rely on to be their speedy receiver. I still think that you will find uh, someone joining this team between now and the draft in April. And it'll either be probably with that f- number 42 pick if they haven't gotten someone before that. Okay, one more. This comes from Mike in Chester, Maryland. Hey, Mary Kay, I've been a lifelong Browns fan for about 60 years. For the first time in recent memory, I'm very optimistic about the Browns' playoff chances and potential Super Bowl run. Are my expectations realistic, or am I just being Charlie Brown with Lucy holding the football? You know what? I think anytime you have an elite quarterback by like Deshaun Watson, you can go ahead and get excited. If it works out the way everyone expects it to, then this should be a good football team. A really good quarterback can cover up for some other ills. And of course, they're trying to to you know fix the defense and fix the special teams and uh, you know cover up for some of the other deficiencies on the team. But when you have the quarterback, you have half the battle won. Makes up for so much. So I'm going to say, go ahead and get excited. Uh, you know, I think 
I will be surprised. I, for one, will be surprised if Deshaun does not play well this season and they are not super competitive. They should at least be a playoff team again. I mean, that mm-hmm. should be the, the minimum expectation as you go back to the playoffs. And and again, you don't pay $230 million to give up all those draft picks so that, you know, for Deshaun Watson, if you don't think you're ready to go win the Super Bowl. So uh, people can certainly be cynical and say they don't see it. And, you know, I don't know that I look at this team right now and say they're a Super Bowl team, but they certainly believe that they're ready to go win one. Yes, absolutely. That is why they went out and they got Deshaun. And last year, I think everyone feels that, you know what, toss that out the window. That's not who he was. That's not who he's going to be. That's not what the offense is going to look like. It's certainly not what the defense is going to look like. I mean, they've already added how many are we up to now? Seven defenders in free agency. Um, so something like that. But um, but they, you know, they really absolutely 100 percent believe that they have bolstered the defense and the special teams. And then you add in Deshaun Watson for all 17 games. And I think they feel really, really good about this football team. Okay, there we go. Our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast here on a Monday. As I mentioned multiple times, all those questions came from our Football Insider subscribers. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner on the top of the page. Become a tech subscriber. Get access to those stories uh, that are behind that paywall and get that newsletter delivered to your inbox every single day. It's written by one of us uh, every day. And also just make sure you're subscribed to the Orange and Brown Talk feed uh, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And we love to read great reviews, especially on Apple Podcasts. So make sure you leave us some five-star reviews as well. Uh, Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great. Sounds great.